Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Nick Mercadante. Nick, what's going on, man? I am uh, watching playoff hockey and, you know, dealing with the fun narratives. Not really, just, I, I, I can't pick a side. Everybody's like, ah, be on the Nashville bandwagon. But then, you know, I got to kind of root for Nick Bonino on Pittsburgh because I coached the kid, hmm. but I don't like Pittsburgh. So I'm just kind of watching hockey and like without a rooting interest, which is a weird kind of thing at this point. I think sometimes that's okay. I know it Well, in a way it makes it more fun because you're, you know, you're just, well, so, you know, game four for half of it was just a total mess, just hmm. sloppy hockey. And so you're watching it, you're watching it, hoping like a good hockey game will break out. And it'll be fun to watch. Um, I haven't really, I mean, it's been, the atmosphere has been cool. Right. You know, the whole Nashville thing and all that. But I haven't really felt like it's been great hockey. You know what I mean? Um, It's been exciting at times, but it's been kind of sloppy. And every game has had kind of like a, this like, you know, it's not like both teams have been playing great at the same time in like a knockdown drag out game. You know what I mean? Right. Um, well, I, I mean, it's, it, it is a bit of a shame just because I think that, you know, if both these teams were healthy and had all of their weapons, it would be tremendous hockey. Um, yeah. Like, especially, like, you know, if the Penguins had Chris Letang, um, I just wonder what this series would look like because all of a sudden it would open up so many more avenues for them to actually sort of counterpunch more effectively with the Predators and, and break that break through that forecheck a bit and create some opportunities with their forwards. And then, you know, if obviously if you guys like Johansson and, and Kevin Fiala were healthy for the Predators, I mean, I don't, I don't know, maybe we'll, uh, we'll see a rematch between these teams next year and they'll be, bo- and bo- they'll both be healthy. I mean, dare to dream, I guess. Yeah. And look, I don't want to get too far down the path with analyzing what's been going on, but you're exactly right. Like, so, you know, Nashville starts to play this, a much more aggressive game where they're getting on top of the, the, the Penguins defensemen attacking them early, forcing turnovers, the Penguins defensemen that are out there, you've got, you know, number six defensemen playing number two minutes, guys like Ron Hainsey that, um, you know, just are not very capable with the puck on their stick and they're causing turnovers. What a difference it would make if every other shift you were sending Latang out there to, to break that up a little bit. It would just, it would have made for much more exciting, you know, game three and game four, I think. Well, and listen, I know that, you know, in this particular case, um, like Latang got injured during the regular season and hasn't played at all in the postseason. And your hands and injury was sort of a freak injury that could happen at any point. But, um, you know, in, in terms of hockey culture, uh, we like to kind of glorify uh, how, how tough and difficult the playoffs are and what it takes physically uh, as, as, as playoff warriors for these guys to get the job done and make it all the way. And while there is certainly a bit of a storytelling element to that, which is interesting, it also, you also reach the point where you come towards the end of the season and like all these guys are <laughs> playing it, playing it like way less <laughs> than what they're actually capable of. And as a result, the product 
isn't it's just it's sloppier and it's less it's less dynamic and less exciting and i think that that isn't something that we should be cheering for and glorifying we should be calling it for what it is yeah yeah i think you're right and it's hard to um you know okay what if the you know what if this regular season was 40 games or 50 games how would that how how would it would things look different would teams be you know, hitting stride physically, mentally, and everything else as they're reaching the playoffs, um, as opposed to maybe, yeah, you know, mentally they're hitting stride as they get closer to the playoffs after a long regular season, but physically, you know, the the toll has already been taken after you know six back to backs and yeah, know, traveling across the country twenty five times and all that type of stuff. Um, so, yeah. It, it it sometimes makes the argument for less is more. You know, do we need eighty two games? Well, yeah, um, yeah, and I know I know that's sort of the counter argument, like against like if you like were to chop off a bunch of the games. I mean, obviously, like it's not going to happen because nope. the NHL would be just forfeiting money. But I know there is also sort of the stats argument to like we want more games so that you actually can determine like which te- which who are the better teams. The cream rises to the top, and and all this, and you know you you'd actually have like the playoff teams that deserve to be in more likely being in if you have more games for them to play out throughout the regular season but at the same time like yeah okay let's let's go under the assumption that all 16 teams are the ones that should be making it every year because you have these 82 games then they come into the postseason and all of a sudden they could be out in like four or five games so it was all pretty much for nothing like it just seems like it's just such a if you just take a step back and think about it like if you didn't understand how the regular season and playoffs worked in, in north american professional sports and you just like if someone told you this, I, I, I imagine that you're, you'd have a lot of questions as to why it's done the way it's done. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and for the NHL specifically, because of, you know, the position it's in is, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the fourth most popular sport in the United States. And obviously it has a different stature in Canada, but, um, you, you kind of can't have it both ways. Like you want to have the regular season you want to have the regular season mean something but everybody knows that the tro- you know the 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 showcase for the NHL is the NHL playoffs. So if if you want to have 82 games and tire them tire them out, you might not get your best playoff hockey. Now, does the casual fan or the fan just tuning in for the playoffs really know that? You know, maybe probably not, maybe not, but you know, what what kind of different product would it be if, you know, the regular season was maybe 40, you know, 40 some odd games and um you know, all these guys were uh, maybe a little bit less fatigued and and everything else. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's let, let's be let's be more positive because I know that uh, when whenever I like go down this uh, little rabbit hole on the podcast where I complain about the <laughs> NHL, people people just reply with like, "Oh, like you know, what are you complaining about? You have the best job in the world, and this and that." And and and, and they're definitely right, and I agree with that. And and that the playoffs as a whole have been great and exciting and fun and and all that. But let's talk about the goalies in this series and. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I feel like we've already sort of, you know, we've talked about Pekarene versus UC Soros on this on yeah. the podcast, but between you and I, countless times this season, and I feel like we've laid out the case for both guys and we've sort of uh, attacked it from every angle imaginable. So there's nothing necessarily new we can discuss, but. I don't know. Like, what, what what have you seen from Rene in this series beyond the obvious, where uh, you know he let everything in in games one and two, and then he stopped everything in games three and four? Like, sort of technically speaking, and and um, just from how he's looked, like like what like what have you seen from his performance? Well, I think it started. I think Pecorino started performing like his truer self against the Ducks, especially late in the series. Even though they won the series, they, I felt like they won in spite of his performance. Uh, even in that last game, uh, the game seven, where, you know, what, however many saves he made, 42 saves or whatever it was, um, you never felt like he was really in control. He was creating a lot of extra work for himself. He wasn't seeing the puck very well. And I think that carried right into the Penguin series. I think the difference, you know, when you play a team like the Penguins, they – they just have a knack for capitalizing. Call it what you want, but they will put the puck in the net if you make too many mistakes. But like any team, it doesn't matter if they're you know at the top of their game or you know on a good stretch or whatever it is. Sometimes, like I like to always say, pucks bounce funny. And so you know, Rene looked pretty bad the first two games. That first game was almost embarrassing. Um, 
the third and fourth game, suddenly, you know, Nashville wins and Laviolette looks like the hero for, you know, staying the course and trusting his goaltender and all this other stuff. And everybody's again talking about how Renee's a winner and all these other things. When the reality is, is he really didn't look that great in the past two games either. Uh, he wasn't seeing the puck well. He gave up a lot of rebounds and he created extra work for himself and he had to make desperation saves. And yes, you know, especially in game four, he made a lot of those saves, but you never really felt like he was under control. You always, to me at least, felt like he was completely out of control and maybe the pucks just weren't bouncing the Penguins way. And like I said, that just happens. That's hockey. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are as a team. Sometimes you're Alex Ovechkin and the puck jumps over your stick yeah. and you lose that opportunity. And it's the difference between putting it in the top corner and, you know, flubbing it and, 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 and missing a, an opportunity. That's just what happens. And, um, so I don't think, um, and I think Renee is what he is. Um, there's this ongoing narrative too, that, um, you know, it would be foolish to put a goalie like Saros into any position like this, but, um, you know, you don't have to go back very far. Go back to last year when the Penguins were forced to put a goalie with absolutely no playoff experience who joined the team late in the season into the playoffs, and he became a Stanley Cup hero. So yep. um, there's no roadmap or recipe that says you can't take a guy with no playoff experience and throw him into this position and have him be successful. All these guys are professionals. Yep. So Well, no, it's, um, it's, it's funny, especially since, um, you know, Murray had slightly better numbers in the AHL, but Saros has also been completely dominant there, and he actually played, appeared in more games for the Predators this year than Murray yeah. had last year for the Penguins before the playoffs started. So there definitely uh, was an interesting parallel to draw there. Like, I, I don't know, we were talking before we uh, click record on this thing about Rene, and yeah, I, I am willing to acknowledge that, you know, it's possible there's a little confirmation bias involved here where it's like you 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 kind of see things in a certain light to uh to support the the narrative you're trying to spin and i've obviously been critical of, of renee and his performance and i thought that they should have gone to sorrows in game three so i was watching it you know maybe from a different perspective than someone who had thought they should be riding renee the entire time because of what he means that a franchise would look at it at but it did feel like while you can't argue with the results, like it, it whenever I watch him, it, it's it's so funny how he just it looks like the puck kind of hits him, and and you can make the argument, yeah. well, listen, he's a, a very big goalie, like it makes sense that the puck is going to hit him, even though he kind of gets small sometimes and and, get, and leaves a lot of net for shooters to shoot at. But he he he's so he's so frantic and so all over the place, and even like in Game Four, you know, Twitter was a buzz with that sprawling save he made where he like dove across the crease and knocked it out of midair. And, and it was a beautiful highlight reel save, but it was sort of that whole Jonathan quick, Andre Pavlik thing where it's like, well, if he was, you know, in a solid yeah. fun, fundamentally sound position, maybe he doesn't ever need to make that save and it doesn't look as exciting, but it still counts the same in the score sheet. So it's, it's always so tough to evaluate guys like that because you, you see these remarkable, uh, feats of athleticism and and you kind of get excited and let your mind wander and think of all the possibilities but then you know, there's also an opportunity cost involved to to what happens when he's not making those saves all of a sudden yeah and in in you know look being the the unbiased and objective goaltender evaluator that i am <laughs> i would say i would say i i don't think your eyes are deceiving you when you feel like he looks like he's out of control and I don't think you have to be some kind of goalie guru, expert coach, whatever it is to see that. I actually think that the folks that see the opposite are the ones that are, you know, misguided. Um, any goaltender coach is going to tell you that Rene, the past several years, he just, he doesn't move the same way that he did early in his career. And that's related to injuries. And as a result of that, he can't, you know, his spastic movement is because he's always maybe a step off his angle line or a step behind because he's never been a good puck tracker. And when you're not a good puck tracker, you know, you, you, the, the two ways that you're going to stay on top of the puck are, first of all, you have to be lightning quick and be able to get back on your angle line as quickly as possible. And then the second way is that you have to be a good blocking goalie and be able to control rebounds off your body maybe when you see them a little bit later than, than another guy might see them. And um, what you're really seeing is a goalie who can't move like a John Quick 
So he's getting into position late. Maybe he's not fully turned and set and square towards the puck. So when so when the puck does hit him, he has no idea where it's going to go. It's, it really is just deflecting off of him. And he's not seeing the puck hitting him and controlling those rebounds. And, and all you have to do, you know, in game five, watch his eyes when he makes a save. He will not look the puck into his body. He will still be looking ahead of him or, you know, kind of catch it late. You'll see him turn towards the puck as it hits him or just after it hits him. And then he's kind of scrambling around looking for the puck on the ice in front of him. And that's what leads to a lot of those deflections that pop out right in front of the net um, that, you know, especially in games one and two, the Penguins capitalized on is he just doesn't know where the puck is. Um, well, even in, game, even in um, game three, the only goal they scored was sort of a bad rebound like that, where he just yep. kind of lost track of it and Gensel just put it in. Yeah. When, when he was younger, you know, like I said, he moved a lot better. And, and I will say like, he, he has a great, he, he's always had a great glove mm-hmm. when he sees the puck. And when he was younger, he relied on that glove to make a lot of saves out of position he would reach across his body or whatever it is it's kind of the finished way of goaltending get your glove up out in front of you and you know open faced don't close your thumb keep it out and open so you can kind of move it anywhere you want almost like a catcher in baseball and so he'd rely on his glove to make up for lost time where he's not in position and um i just think that he's he can't even really do that anymore so you're seeing a goalie who he's big you know, he's good enough. He'll have a big game here and there where you know he scrambles and makes some saves maybe he shouldn't make, but it's not going to be consistent. You know, game five, it's not like it, okay now this guy's right at the ship and and he's going to be, you know, uh, uh, solid for the next several games. Like he could be a mess in game five and give up five quick goals or you know, well and that's, that's four on twelve shots. That's sort of the disconcerting <laughs> thing for if you're. A- Predators fan here because I feel like that's sort of the opposite of what you're looking for right now from your goalie. Um, like you know they've they've looked like the superior team at five on five especially, and oh, yeah. I feel like you know this is going to go one of two ways. Either Rene is just going to completely implode, kind of like he did in the first two games, and the Predators are going to have a really difficult time overcoming that because when you get goaltending performance like that regardless of how how much you dominate the shot volume is going to be really tough to overcome or he's going to be fine and 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 they're going to win but it's like i don't know it's it just it, it's scary that um that like he does have that wide range of results and uh, that's like this team just needs sort of like a steady average performance right now and and that's mm-hmm. going to be enough for it and i don't know i guess it'll be fast like anything can happen there's only up to three games left in the season so it's going to be fascinating to see what which renee we do get in those games yeah yeah and and you know saying all this i, I actually somebody asked me after game two do you pull renee now and i said yeah the the side of me that you know, that says everything I've said the past few years about Renee says, yeah, absolutely. But the side of me that that's a coach says, that sends the wrong message to the rest of the team. I think at this point it's too late. You know, if this performance came, if that, if those performances came maybe at the beginning, maybe even at the beginning of the conference finals, um, that might be the time to do it. But I think it's too, when it's game three of the Stanley cup finals and you're yanking your prohibitive starting goalie, permanent starting goalie for a guy who hasn't played a game, a playoff game. I do kind of get that from a coaching perspective. The team starts to go, "Uh Oh, are we in panic mode? Did I miss something? Are we not playing as well as I thought we were? And, uh, it, it might send the wrong message, but look, Soros, is the goalie of the future. He's probably, you know, unless something crazy happens in the next few games, he's probably not going to get in. Yeah, that's all right. I think that Nashville will be fine in spite of Rene. But if I'm the Penguins and, and I'm coaching the Penguins, I'm going in the locker room and saying, look, I don't care what the score was the past two games. Uh, Rene does not look good. Fire the pucks on the net. The Penguins yeah. have a little bit of a tendency to hold on to it too long because of all the skill. Uh, they're looking for the perfect play and the perfect shot. You can beat Rene on the first shot, especially with a screen. Just fire away. That's that's I think the approach they should be taking uh, going into Game Five. Yeah, no, I mean you saw Ron Ainsley almost scored from center ice, and um, I don't know what I don't know what's remar- more remarkable that uh, it was from center ice or the 
Ron Haynes almost scored a goal. So, uh, <laughs> um, both are very improbable. Hey, Connecticut, Connecticut native, native Ron Haynes. I can't say too much negative about him. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, on the on the other end of the ice, like I know that you know you you, you brought up this idea that. There's been questions raised about whether the Penguins should stick with Murray or not, and like I, I think he's looked fine. Like I've, honestly, have any of the goals he's given up even been that bad? Like we, it seems like we have this annual playoff tradition where uh, the other team, you know, scores some goals and they're generally high glove side, and all of a sudden everyone becomes a goalie expert and says that uh, the goalie in question has a, a noticeable flaw in his game, a chink in the armor that can be exploited, yeah, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you know what that flaw is? It's what every other goalie struggles with, and it's if you face enough shots, uh, eventually some of them will get by you, and Murray wasn't going to keep stopping like 98% of the shots or whatever he stopped for the first two games, and the Predators, to their credit, also wound up creating some very, you know, high quality scoring chances as well especially around the net taking advantage of their turnovers and creating some breakaways and it's going to happen like Murray still has a higher save percentage in this postseason than he had last year uh, I, I think he's he's fine I, I, I you know yeah I, he's come look I, he he's sitting at I think a 902 overall for for the first four games of the Stanley Cup finals hmm. the the last three games of the conference finals, he was at I think like nine four six or something crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, it kind of comes out in the wash type of thing. I don't think, you know, again, I, I don't think that the Penguins lost because of Murray. I think that that third goal, the the Arvidsson goal uh, in Game Four, that was a backbreaker. That was one where he screwed up as much as it was a breakaway and kind of a quick developing play off a turnover, which is tough for a goalie in many ways, the way that that breakaway came about and the way it was executed, it's actually a much easier, it's, it's an easier save than you think for a lot of goalies um, because it's a blocking save. What you really want to do on those quick developing plays, the, the shooter has no time to deke there. He's just, he's getting the puck as quick as he can. And he's trying to fire it. And all Murray really had to do was step take one more step out, square up, and get down and block. Keep his glove low so that if he, if the puck goes up, he can just, you know, he's not guessing. He's just shooting his arm up. Get his pads out, wide out, flared, and just get down in front of it. Um, those are saves that, you know, if, if you watch enough John Quick, those are the ones where everybody goes, oh, my God, how does he make that save? It's because he's super aggressive, so he's always going to take that. He doesn't even think about it. That's his default play what happened with murray there was he thought about it and he actually stutter stepped and he got back on his heels and as soon as he did that he was forced he couldn't be in a blocking position anymore he had to make the save he had to react and so what ended up happening he tried to react and he just missed and and arvidson made you know put a nice shot pass his glove and and you know that's game that's ball game mm-hmm. so you could point to that as kind of a back-breaking goal that i would put on the goalie but then again it's a breakaway, uh, you know, and I don't think the team's going to blame it on him. I, you know, uh, there there were a couple articles I saw that came out today saying should be should he be the starter for Game Five? Nothing like what Flurry gets. You know, Flurry has one one bad period, and they're calling for his head, and then you know everybody wants him out, and they want Murray in. Murray's the you know the kind of the golden boy of the playoffs because of last year. Um, you know. I think Fleury gets treated unfairly. I don't. I think Murray, but at the same time, I don't think Murray deserves like any kind of crazy criticism for his performance. I, th- I thought he was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think they should, uh, you know, stay the course. And and uh, as you mentioned, like that was a backbreaking goal, but I think it was what the third goal and the Penguins yeah. the team scored one the entire game. Exactly. So it's like you know they're they're gonna need to control the puck a bit more and take advantage of some of these opportunities and get get some passer in a and then i think murray's going to be fine enough to keep them in the game regardless so uh let, 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 let's let's kind of shift gears here and and ha- do a fun little exercise that i thought we could uh 
we could we could do to take advantage of the fact that we have the PDO cast resident goalie guy uh, on the show right now. And um, I thought that, you know, I, I put together a list of uh, the goalies that will be available this summer, whether it's free agents or whether we figure they're going to be left unprotected by their current team uh, and be exposed for Vegas to potentially claim them in the expansion draft. And, you know, we can sort through some of these names and figure out whether they're intriguing bets for Vegas to, to you know, gamble on or, or whether oh, this is, and, this is my favorite stuff. Yeah. I love this stuff. Yeah, you, also, you also see that, you also see that little pun I had there with uh, a little play, a little play on words of <laughs> Vegas gambling on these guys. You see that? Um, I like it. I like it. Don't worry. There's more where that came from. Um, you, you must be a professional. <laughs> I must be. Um, so, there's not too many UFAs that are interesting. Like, obviously, uh, I don't want to get you going, but the two top guys are probably Steve Mason and Brian Elliott. They're like your two, <laughs> two favorite goalies. So I, I think you would probably beg to differ that there aren't too many intriguing UFAs available. Um, there's also, uh, my personal favorite, John, John Francois Berube. And, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm like smirking and internally giggling <laughs> right now for those that I can't relay that from listening to this show. But, uh, everybody's like, why are we listening to this nonsense yeah. about Steve Mason? John Berube. Francois Berube. Yeah. Uh, happening. we still don't know if John Francois Berube is actually a real person. I, I still haven't gotten, gotten proof. Um, but, Let's 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 look at the guys that are going to be unprotected in in the expansion draft because there's like three camps you can break them into right there's like the aging vets who uh, have for whatever reason been supplanted in the organization by like either a younger cheaper guy or their contracts are too onerous or the or the team's just going in a different direction and then you've got like the young unproven guys who have been sort of cutting their teeth in the league as backups and we don't know whether what the, what they really are but they seem intriguing and then you've got like sort of the conventional Al Montoya career backups who um I don't know don't, don't really have that much appeal like I guess they could be interesting right. as a, as a as a third goalie for for cheap or something but they don't necessarily warrant too much of our uh, time or interest here but there's a lot of uh, guys in the first camp of the sort of the, the aging expensive vets i mean there's like 10 guys that are you know but they're probably bigger names than their play actually warrants right now mm-hmm. but are also mm-hmm. you could see uh them catching vegas's eye either to um you know hit financial requirements or if they go the cheap route with with the rest of their team or just you know as names that you could sell and put on posters and and put on the back of jerseys that the casual fans might buy so it's i don't know like which of which of these guys is is the most interesting to you and there's you know there's like the jimmy howard types there's the yarrow halak there's mark andre Fleury, assuming he waves his no move clause this summer um i guess there's like the two dallas guys although they don't necessarily carry too much interest at this point i feel like <laughs> I would I would love to see Vegas just do something totally off the board and you know get like Niemi for some and everybody's like what what are you doing why are you doing this um I, I you know th- it's really interesting to me this this whole expansion draft because there are so many like you said there are like two or three camps of, of goaltenders there's a lot of goalies on the market and there's I think a lot of uncertainty there's no like there's no clear I've got to get this guy regardless of the price because he's going to be exposed. Um, if there was, I think the only one that, that if I were Vegas and I wanted to create some stability for my team, I would really push for Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, I just, I think that he's still got a ton left in the tank. Uh, you know, I, I, he's, yeah, I hate this, but he's a great locker room guy. He's a proven Everybody winner, man. Just him. say it. He's a proven he's a winner. winner. <laughs> you know, he, he really does, though. He, to me, he checks off a lot of those boxes. If, if you were trying to build a team and you wanted to kind of get some kind of internal identity, you're throwing it, you know, you're throwing together a bunch of guys who some, maybe some have played together, but they've never played together as one team. And, you know, you're going into camp, you do want somebody that, is a name and a face because you're going to have some guys in the lineup that quite frankly are AHL players. You know, the league is, the league is thinner because of this expansion. And there are guys that are going to have second and third line roles that shouldn't be in those roles. And there are defensemen that maybe shouldn't be in an NHL lineup that are going to be in the NHL lineup for this team. And I think, um, 
Marc-Andre Fleury is enough of a name recognition guy that he can kind of carry the face of the franchise to some extent. Um, I, 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 and I would like to see him get to be a starter for a little bit longer. So, you know, I have some kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I like, I like Marc-Andre Fleury. I've always liked him. And, um, you know, I hope that he makes the decision to waive his, he, he's got a no movement, right? So, yeah. well, um, he- I, I think that's the guy I, you know, if they don't, Halak is mildly intriguing. Mm. Um, here's my question for Fleury. And this is, uh, I think a very important one that we have to answer. Uh, if he's going to be the face of your franchise, um, do you want him bringing that weird soul patch he's had for years now to the team as, as the face of the franchise? Or are you asking him to get rid of that and go with a more conventional or clean shaven approach? I don't know. I think that, I think you get by with the soul patch in Vegas. It's so weird. Like it's, 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 you know, there's some weird it's hairstyles a, it's a and three and, musketeers kind of, yeah. It kind of fits yeah, him. Though. It kind of fits his face. Anyways, um, it's very this, French. This is like the weirdest thing that's ever been discussed on the PDO cast. Very, very unanalytical. Um, will will the ex, you know will the expansion draft affect Mark Andre Fleury's facial hair? <laughs> now that's a clickbait article. That's a clickbait <laughs> article if I've ever seen it. Uh, you know, Jimmy Howard's the other interesting guy because, much like Fleury, um, he only has two years left, I believe, on his deal, and it's like you know, somewhere in the fives. So it's not yep. unmanageable by any means. And it's one of those things where while both guys are, uh, in their early thirties, uh, you know, with there only being two years left on that term, it's not like you're really running the risk of them just falling apart and being anchors on your books for years to come. And kind of like flurry, he's sort of, you know, the Red Wings didn't make the playoffs, but he showed while he was healthy this year that, He's got a bit left in the tank. Like he definitely, yeah. Impre- he, he played impressed much me. better this year. Yeah, he, I, I. Well, you know what's I funny? He, uh, yeah, no, he he like pretty significantly outplayed uh, Petr Mrazek too, which I found very surprising considering I was yeah. definitely on Mrazek's side of things, and I still am moving forward. But Howard did show that he could be an intriguing gamble, and he's not like the big name that Flurry is, um, and and has been, but. He's still like a guy who you can point to his track record and resume if that's sort of the thing you're looking for and go, well, mm-hmm. this guy's been around and he seems like a solid presence and we could do a lot worse than having him as our number one moving forward with like a yeah. intriguing high upside young backup waiting in the wings, maybe potentially even taking the job as soon as sometime mid next season. I think so much with Howard depends on his health and we've seen when he's not healthy, he's, he's quite bad. And when he is healthy and he's got his legs under him, he can be a capable goalie. Now the question is, you know, how far away is he from another injury? Um, you know, that's that's a question. I, I'd love to be a fly on the wall, you know, for some of his practices and kind of see how he how he moves in in repetition. Because usually, you know, without talking to a goalie, if, if if you're a goalie coach and you're watching how they move in certain repetition movements, you can you can get a sense of okay, this guy's compensating for a bad groin or this guy's you know making a decision based on he doesn't have as much push as he used to have um it's harder in a game where the the movements are all kind of erratic and and different for every shot and and every movement um i think that if if he's healthy and he has his legs under him there's there's not much of a there's not much of a gamble in uh taking you know, taking his contract on for a couple of years, getting you you probably, uh, you know, all without any new injuries, you probably get at least one good season out of him. Maybe that gives you some time to survey the market again or, um, you know, possibly make a trade and, and get a young goaltender who's who's kind of I mean, look in Winnipeg. They're going to have a glut of goalies. And I think Hellebuck might end up being oddly the, the, the odd man out because of his poor performance this year so you never know those are guys that a year from now might be available for for a trade or something like that and and now you've got your your veteran on you know a short-term contract um setting you up for for who you want to be in the future so yeah i think howard might be a a good fit for that you know i i I still i I think flurry is the superior goalie yeah um you know there there i mean there's a there's a whole kind of poo-poo platter of these other older goals. You mentioned Al Montoya and every time I hear his name that's just like a sad trombone sound in the back of my head. Like those goalies that have, they have name recognition like people are like, oh, that's a that's a 
decent backup goalie. He could be your caddy for a little. No, just stop. Um, yeah, yeah, like the the Anton Hudobins of the world. Yeah, and, yeah, oof, oof. yes. No yeah, thanks. Yes. Um. So, you know, something that came up last week. Um. It was this trade rumor that was, or discussion that was floated around about, uh, you know, Chicago potentially potentially letting Vegas take Trevor Van Riemsdyk in the expansion draft, um, like leaving him unprotected, and then as long as Vegas also took on Marcus Kruger's contract in a trade, basically, and making it sort of like a two for one type of thing. And yeah. while I think you know, I that seems like a really silly trade for Vegas to make because I think Trevor Van Riemsdyk isn't really an actual asset. Like I think if you right. feel so inclined, just go dip into the AHL and take your pick of the litter and just get a guy for free. You don't need to also yeah, Trevor take Van, Van Riemsdyk is not giving you that much more than, you know, the number two or three defenseman in the AHL. Yeah, somewhere. yeah you don't need, you don't need to take on Marcus Kruger's contract to also just for, just so you can have Trevor Van Riemsdyk. That seems like, a, a silly thing and if that happens well then uh stan bowman continues his his wizardry with uh making getting 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 other teams to help him uh alleviate some of his cap concerns but i think it did get me thinking about potentially sort of similar mutually beneficial deals involving salary dumps with vegas and i want to run an idea by you so here's a hypothetical for you let's say would you agree that people in the league still view Jonathan Quick as uh, a legitimate asset that, oh, they would, we go. That, that they would trade for? Here we go. I like this. So Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So if he was unprotected, he would get claimed 100% by Vegas, you think? 1,000%, which is not a real thing. Okay. So what if, you, if you're the Kings, you contact Vegas— and you say we will keep Jonathan Quick unprotected and let him let you um, claim him and be your starting goalie for the next well eternity basically because that's how long his contract runs still. Um, but you have to take on either Dustin Brown or Marion Gabrick's deal as well. And if that's too onerous, we'll throw in you know some sort of sweetener. We'll throw in like a pick or a prospect or something. And yeah, you get okay. you, you get Jonathan Quick, but you also have to take on a shitload of Dustin money as well. Brown. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the artist formerly known as Dustin Brown. Yeah. Um. So if okay, so would would first the first question I think is would Vegas in their current management do that? And I would say yes, they will. Mm-hmm. They they would do that in a heartbeat. Um. Would I do it? Yeah, I think I would. And as, which, the reason, as, which, as which side? Both sides? As Vegas. Mm. As Vegas. Just as Vegas, uh, I'll start with. The reason I think I would do it as Vegas is this. Jonathan Quick, say whatever you want, and we, we went through this at the beginning of the year, I still think that Jonathan Quick is a top 10, 10 to 15 goalie in the NHL when he's right and when he's healthy. Now, I don't think that he's going to be right or healthy very much more for the rest of his career. But I think he'll be right and healthy enough to uh, help a team fill seats and be relatively competitive. Um, he would be part of the solution more than part of the problem in terms of on-ice performance, even though he's, you know, like I said, he, he could spend some time injured and everything else. He'll put butts in the seats. Um, he'll definitely be your name recognition. If I'm running a franchise, I take – you know, th- there's value in all those things because I am trying to, you know, be a successful business and and be successful on the ice as well. Um, I think that the 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 whole issue with taking on, you know, other kind of cap consideration, cap burdens, is not such a huge deal because I might be trying to get to the cap, you know, the cap floor. Right. Um, that's that's something. That's a very real concern for this expansion team because there aren't going to be a lot of the the high earners that are exposed so you're going to you may run into some problems hitting the cap floor depending on where the cap goes i think it's going to stay around what it is um but regardless i think you're going to have some trouble so you know would it suck to take on that crazy dustin brown contract yeah it would um and that would i it would be you know, it would be like I'm 60 percent on board, but 40 percent of me is just hating what that's going to look like, uh, you know, a couple of years down the road. Yeah. But I think I, I think I would I, throw in a pick. And I think I'm making the deal. See? If I'm 
if I'm LA, yeah. I'm, I'm also making the deal. Yes. By the way. Yeah. Here we go. So, so this is, this is a sign of a very, uh, very well thought out trade on my end then. Yeah. So if I'm LA, I am also making the deal yeah. because we're done with that generation in that, you know, that team and, you know, quick is not part of the future. Um, as much as he's been a part of our, the, the past, hmm. um, he is in his thirties. He is, uh, he, he has shown that he is not healthy in key areas for his, for him to be able to perform. Um, you know, his legs are, are given out a little bit and, uh, he, you know, his, his contract's not bad, really. It's not terrible, but, uh, that Dustin Brown contract or Gabrick, I mean, get rid of those and, you know, make some room for, for, you know, some free agents or, or something else that comes down the pike while you continue to, to, to work your farm. Um, I'm doing that all day. Yeah, like I, yeah, I, I agree. Quick, you know, he's only his cap hits like five point eight million, which definitely isn't egregious. And I agree with you that um, he's a perfectly fine goalie. The problem is, is, is as you also alluded to, he's you know he turns like thirty two mid season, and he has six more yeah. years on that deal. And like the Dustin Brown contract, I mean, the Marion Gabrick one surprisingly is nearly as bad. Um, it's a bit cheaper and one year, uh, shorter. So it makes it, makes the Dustin Brown one really just kind of take the cake here. But like the Dustin Brown one is crazy. It's absolute lunacy. It was crazy when it, when they, when they did it. No, but it's, it's, it's mind blowing because it's like one of those things where like right now heading into this next season, you'd be like $5.9 million for Dustin Brown. That, seems insane like he's not worth even half of that right now and then you're right. paying him that till 2022 yeah like that just- until in, until they're they're, they're, they're not going to be able to get out of that the, like the, the cba they're not they have no way of getting out of that <laughs> through collective bargaining through you know i i, I was thinking like maybe down the road there, there's going to be some new provisions for retirement because i think teams are starting to get wise to the fact that you know players on these long contracts are hitting their mid thirties and they just or early thirties, really, you know, 33, whatever, 32, 33, 34, and they just can't do it anymore. Um, so maybe they'll get some kind of cap relief from having those contracts hanging around. Cause I think there's enough teams interested in that for enough owners to say, Hey, we got to do something about this because we can't build teams. (laughs) All of us agree. Um, you know, except for maybe a couple smart, franchises um but i mean holy hell that dustin brown con- i mean that's just brutal and, then, and they and and that quick one is going to be you know an albatross in two or three years for them not maybe not for vegas well and you know that, for vegas they'll kind of go eh, whatever yes and and the th- like the thing for the kings is i mean listen like you look at their current state and <laughs> You know, Dean Lombardi conveniently got out just in the nick of time, and now he does, it's not his concern anymore. But, like, they have a lot of needs, and they have no real money to address those needs. So they're basically just going right. to keep running back this team that we saw. Uh, yeah. As much as I love, uh, you know, looking at shot attempts and stuff, like, it's pretty clear that they're a flawed offensive team that cannot score enough goals, and they don't have the means to address that. And I don't understand how they're going to improve or fix that. And if you're able to uh, get out from under a couple deals with one, with one move like that, like that seems like a no brainer if you're running the Kings as well. So that's why it's fascinating. Cause I do think it kind of makes sense for both sides. Assuming, you know, if you're Vegas and you like quick, it makes sense. Definitely. Then what's so funny to me too, is I, I truly believe this. I think that there would be much, Far more people that would criticize the Kings for giving up quick than there would be that would applaud them for you know, moving contracts to make way for a new, you know, a, a, a new regime and a new, um, you know, a new look to the team and, and addressing other problems that they have. Yeah, but those people don't understand how opportunity cost and how the hard cap works because, like, that's basically yeah. those. That's, by the way, those people are like half of the like hockey community, and some actually. of them, and some of them running NHL teams. Yes. Um, <laughs> but no, th- I mean, like, listen, if you got rid of Quick and Brown, uh, that's like almost twelve million dollars in cap space next year. 
Um, yeah, and you could get a free agent goalie. Yeah, then you bring in Steve Mason for like three-ish, oh, and all gosh. of a sudden you have a newfound... A Stanley Cup contender. And you have a newfound $8 million to, to get you know creative and add a couple different scoring options and all of a sudden your team is much better and it might not have the big names or or you know you might rock the boat a bit a little bit with people but yeah. it's i i find it hard to believe that your team wouldn't be better if you went that route instead oh i i 100 agree i i think i think that 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 would be i think everybody it would be a, a shocking type of thing but it, it would make so much sense from their side and I, and i if i was on the vegas side too i think it would I'd say, yeah, we we can do that. We can we can do that right now because um, they're not going to be good for a while, and they need some other things cooking for them that uh, that can keep people intrigued. So, so what about what about this one then? Um, you know, it's 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 sort of along the same lines, but it's I don't know. I can't tell if it makes more or less sense. But if you were Detroit and you contact George McPhee and you say. Um, you know, we're going to protect Jimmy Howard instead. We're going to let you have Petr Mrazek, assuming that they like Petr Mrazek. I don't understand why they wouldn't, just based on the age difference and, and the price right. and everything. But um, assuming that's the case, you guys can have Mrazek, but you also have to take on. And, and this is this is where the fun starts if you're running the Red Wings, because <laughs> there's like six different deals that you can point to as, as yeah. <laughs> like take your pick of them. Like, I don't know. I think Jonathan Erickson's probably the worst because he's getting paid a lot and he's also bad. really bad. Like, yeah. you, could, you can make the argument that I'd get rid of the Danny DeKaiser one too because it's more expensive and for longer. But at least you can make the argument that he's younger and teams probably think more highly of him. And I yeah. don't know. But it, it, like, so and Detroit as well should be one of these teams. Like, it's it's a bit tougher a pill to swallow because Mrazek still is only like twenty five years old. So you could talk yourself into him being really good while you're when you're ready to compete again. But they're so far away and have so much uh, money tying them down to these aging loyalty Kenny Holland guys that they can't really improve anytime soon. So like they should also be one of these teams that are exploring, trying to get out from under these contracts while they still can. Yeah. And well, again, so if I were running the red wings, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give up on Petr Mrazek. I, I, I think way too highly of him. Yeah. Me too. Um, every, every goaltender goes through a rough spot where they need to make adjustments. And I think this year, he, you know, he had some problems. He he finally hit a snag with some of his side to side movement, uh, where he was just, you know, he's getting caught a little bit too wild. Uh, and I, I I don't know if, you know, I don't know if there was other things that were going on, but he did get kind of jerked around um, with the Jared Corot nonsense. Um, if if I were if I were in Detroit shoes, I wouldn't give up on Petr Mrazek. Um, because he is so young and I think he is part of whatever comes next for them. But boy, to get to whatever comes next, you got to get rid of some of those contracts. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that, that there is a, there is an appeal to that. You know, can you find another young goalie that, that can be your goaltender of the future? Yeah, you probably can. If you're, if you're smart about it, I don't think Petr Mrazek is the be all end all. So uh, I'd give it some serious consideration if I was in Detroit's shoes. Mm. Would Detroit actually, do it actually i think they might actually do something like that because i think that they think that jared Corot is a legitimate nhl goaltender so i could kind of see him doing something crazy like that um maybe it's not that crazy um i could kind of see him doing something like that really i, I could envision kenny holland uh you know being pitched this idea by like some smart uh lower level guy in his front office and him being like why would Vegas do that? Jimmy Howard's way better than Petr yes. Mrazek. <laughs> that's that's what I could see as well. Yeah, and and just dumbfounded. I, I, yeah, just couldn't can't believe that they would do something like yeah, or or saying something crazy like I don't know if we can let go of a guy like Danny DeKaiser. Yeah, you know he's the heart and soul of this team. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, boy, they've got some bad contracts. Uh, There's just so many to choose from stuff right now. That Erickson one is just appalling. Erickson. That's appalling. It 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 somehow took Justin Applicator like half a season. Like it wasn't it was an albatross when he signed it, but at least he was having a productive season, um, playing with the top guys. Obviously, and he was in a great right. spot to succeed. But you know, if he kept putting up points and being productive, you could sort of spin it as well. He's he's still in his prime, but like he fell off the map this year and got injured, and everything happened that you'd expect would have happened within the next couple of years. But it was like 
fast it was in a fast forward yeah. process and then all of a sudden now your his deal has just started and you're Is he going to be he's going to be 30 next season? Is yeah. that right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's been around for a while and he was playing in college. Like he's I don't know, he's one of those guys where people are like, "Yeah, young Justin Abdelkader." It's like he's 30. <laughs> Part of my French, but holy shit. Yeah. That that's that's a bad contract. But they have so many of these like listen anyone making less than like 2 million ultimately you can work your way around it but like look at why is Luke Lendenning being paid that long I don't like I don't, it's, yeah. why like who 4 years from now you're like yep we can't well, we can't risk Luke Lendenning leaving us we got to we got to give him give him this term just to make sure he's comfy here yeah, it's so weird too to see that in Detroit because it's so 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 many of their years their past you know 20 some odd years it's been you've got your core six players, whatever it is, right? These guys that you just, you know, they're they're homegrown, they're incredibly talented, they're going to carry your franchise for 10 years, okay? Mm-hmm. The you know, the Federovs and then the in the Eisermans and the Lidstroms and the and then, you know, the next generation with Datsuk and Zetterberg. The, and then you build everything else around it and you kind of you you find other homegrown guys that you can plug and play and and you know you kind of just make it work with your with your your filling guys they started giving all those filling guys like big long contracts <laughs> for no reason like there's no reason for it there's nothing that should have prompted that um it's so strange yeah strange is they're going to they're going to have a long dark period yeah it's going to no it's going to be uh it's gonna be really bad. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna it's, it's gonna reach twenty six years or whatever of not making the playoffs. But it's gonna, <laughs> but it could go like ten. Yeah, like, yeah. It, could, it could be bad for. I mean, I know there's parity in the NHL and everything, but there are some teams down at the bottom that are getting much better right now, and they're not one of them. And it's gonna be a little while before some of the teams at the top sink. You know, so um, they're gonna be in some trouble. Well, especially since like you read some of these quotes, and it's always tough to say how much of it is sort of putting up a brave face and posturing in the media and and trying to keep your fans optimistic. But it's like they definitely were giving off this vibe uh, in their quotes that they're still in like that denial process of where they actually are as an organization, where yeah. they were sort of spinning it like, well, a lot of unfortunate, unlucky stuff happened oh, this yeah, season, but we're yeah. gonna be right back next year and. Uh, it's. I hate to break it to him, but uh, it's going to get a lot worse here before it gets better. And that is how long that takes is purely dependent on how quickly it takes them, how quickly they can acknowledge what's really happening and act on it, rather than just trying to get by from one year to the next. I, uh, you know, I, I'm going to come full circle. I want them to train Morazic because because I I don't want his career to get consumed by the nonsense that's going to take place there for, for the next several years. You're just willing to sacrifice Jared, Jared Coro. Just feed him, yeah. Feed him to the wolves. Yeah. I mean, sorry, sorry, buddy, but <laughs> Hey, look, Jared Coro seems like a nice guy and everything. <laughs> perfect, perfect fit for, uh, for whatever, whatever is going to be going down there for the next several years. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, we mentioned the, the kind of younger unproven guys and there's two guys that really stick out. It's Eunice Corposalo and, and Philip Grubauer. Um, do you have a preference in either one? And would you be willing to just ride with both of them next year if you're Vegas? Yeah. So I would, I would be, be willing to ride with both. I actually think Corposalo is ready to become an NHL starter. I think Corposalo is an excellent goaltender. He just needs to be given the leash to, to, to you know, play like an NHL starter and get to go through five bad games and not have everybody going, oh my god, this guy can't do it, and just let him play. I, I really think he's a great goalie. I'm very, very high on him. Um, I, you know, I think he could be an all-star caliber type of goaltender. Uh, Grubauer is your perfect backup. Um, he, he's he's a, a consistent goaltender he does so earlier in the show we were talking about Renee and how he's so spastic Grubauer is the polar opposite of that he's very under control he makes the first save he doesn't create a lot of extra work for himself he is not flashy at all uh he is not super athletic 
He won't steal a lot of games for you, but he doesn't kill himself. And that's perfect for a backup. That's what you want. That's what, you you know, and, and really that's a guy where you could throw him in and have him start 40 games. Um, and you're going to get pretty good results. Um, so, so I like both those guys. I think they'd be great, uh, choices for Vegas. If, if Vegas wants to use, you know, some of their, expansion draft picks on goalies those two and maybe anti ranta those are the types of goalies that i would go after i think ranta falls into that category as well um i would not go after a neuverth Um, i know it's tempting because you know the contract's decent and everything um but meh meh (laughs) yeah just not I'm just not that high on Neuverse. Well, this is why um, this entire process is going to be so exciting and from sort of like the armchair GMing perspective because there really is so many different avenues Vegas can go and, you know, whichever one they choose, all of a sudden there's this domino effect in terms of what they can do with those cap resources. You know, if they go super cheap and net with, uh, you know, some combination of Grubauer, Ranta, and Corpusalo, all of a sudden they could potentially take on these Dustin Brown type contracts with their skaters mm-hmm. and get a bunch of picks or other prospects. And you know, it's, it's the, the possibilities are endless. So it's going to be a pretty fun couple of weeks here to, uh, to, to, to fantasy book this and then actually break it down once it finally does get announced. Yeah. If you're, you know, there's two ways to run this team. I, I happen to think that they're going to have to run the team where they do put a couple faces on the franchise early um, because it's it's just this weird unknown. They're playing hockey in Las Vegas, you know, pro sports team in Las Vegas. And I don't know, you need some things kind of cooking for you in that regard early on. Um, but, you know, the, the, the analytics guy in me and the, you know, the armchair GM that I am, I would be preparing this team, not for this year, not for next year, but maybe three or four years down the road and trying to do, you know exactly what you said. Take on some bad contracts and get more draft picks. Um, there's going to be some good drafts coming up. Um, uh, not this coming year, but um, the season, next season and the mm-hmm. season after that are starting to look pretty strong. So, um, you know, start to build your team that way. Uh, boy, if you could if you could snag like a young goalie like Corpusal, he's 23, or I think he just turned 23. Yeah. Um, you might have your goalie of the future right there. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you take a, a you know, a free agent goalie, or maybe you take a, a big contract off somebody's hands, um, do something like that and, and, and get a, and get some draft picks. Um, you know, they, they, they do have some options. People are kind of saying, well, they're going to be so bad by virtue of the fact that they have to, you know, select this team of players that nobody else is willing to protect. Um, there are some ways to manage it to really set yourself up for success down the road. Yeah, definitely to get creative. Um, all right, let's uh, let's put a pin in, in this discussion and, and get out of here, and we'll just get, have you back on the show sometime here in the next couple of weeks, and and we'll we'll pick it up. I had this, uh, you know, out of left field, half baked idea that I'd been mulling over in my head about uh, increasing the. Uh, the crease and and treating it like like the key like the key in basketball and and all this you know fun, funky stuff that I'm sure that uh, hockey purists oh, will hate God. but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll pick it back we'll pick it back up and we'll get kind of weird right. this was a fun one man I, I really enjoyed this it was uh it's always fun having you on the show it's it's much more of a sort of a casual back and forth where uh, we're having a beer and chatting about hockey as as two best buds sort of conversation rather than a, a formal interview. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And, and look, next time I'm, I'm on the show, we can talk at length about how Steve Mason is going to take the Calgary Flames to the promised land. Okay? Yeah, you know, him him and his agent were listening to this entire show, and they're like, oh, this will be good, just rubbing their hands together. And then all of a sudden, they're like, what the hell? we got to download it and listen for an hour of this gibberish for nothing? <laughs> look, I, I will come prepared. I'll have stats and graphs and charts, Venn diagrams. All of the pie charts, hmm. everything showing how Steve Mason is going to take the Calgary Flames to the promised land and as soon as next season. Take the Calgary Flames to the promised land and the world by storm. Um, do you want to plug some stuff? You, uh, what are you up to these days? I am not up to a lot. No, I, 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 uh, I, I'm looking forward to this uh, at once the uh, Stanley Cup finals finish. I'm actually going to do some writing. Hmm. I, I mean it this time. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff queued up 
uh, with for hockey graphs. It's going to be some statistical analysis stuff. Um, we've got a little bit of a, a void here because uh, Corsica is down right now. Yeah, rest in um, peace. Well, it's not it's not dead. It's it's uh, on, in, on hiatus. On hiatus and in you know redevelopment or whatever uh, Manny decides to do next, um, mm. which is fine. But we have Micah's uh, Micah Blake McCurdy's website. Um, which is a great resource as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to work with him. He, he just did some stuff on goalies that I thought was really interesting. So I'm, I want to work with him on some of that and picking his brain on some of my ideas and then come out with some, some new writing for hockey graphs. Um, you can find uh, all my other musings and nonsense on Twitter, of course, at nmercad. And... Um, I, I'm excited. I'm super excited about this offseason. There's going to be a lot to talk about. So um, it'll be a good time. I'm going to be at home a lot because I'm about to have a child. Mm. So um, I'm going to be, you know, holding my child with one hand. And, and Steve uh, Mason with the other. And Steve Mason <laughs> on the keyboard with the other. I will be writing about him. Have, you, have you told Steve that uh, he's getting a new younger brother? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He's been an only child for so long. I hope he doesn't get jealous. (laughs) I hope so, too. All right, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, good luck with everything, and we'll we'll chat soon. All right. Thanks, Dimitri. Cheers. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dimitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. Hockey PDO Cast.